Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, very often life is great, right? There are things that, you know, shine through and we really enjoy them. Uh, But the reality is, is that there are very often times and places where we find our lives being, how do you want to say it, where we're tired. You ever just been really tired because of life, right? Or maybe because of some big problem that you're facing in life. Uh, Sometimes we find ourselves just weighed down and there's this sense of heaviness, right? And and so what are the things in, in your life that might do that to you? Well, if you're a young person here today, and we do it, I'm talking about teens and younger, okay? Uh, if you're here today, boy, you know, you're in a difficult time in your life. You really are because you're having to sort out, you know, where do I fit in all of this? You know, and, and you're struggling with what do my peers think of me? Uh, and, you know, who's cool and who isn't? And how do you avoid being the one that's not cool? And, and so it can really wear you out trying to keep after that. Uh, you know, and if, if, you're, if you're married here today, uh, well, let me step back from that. Let's talk about work first. You know, how many of you have ever worked in a job where you're really glad you don't work there anymore? Oh, look at that. That's a pretty universal experience, isn't it? But what if you find yourself in a position you have to work, you know, and the boss is just like, you know, insane, maybe. Uh, and the, the co-workers and what's expected and, and double standards and all that. And, and you're having to go to work because you've got to provide for, you know, your family. And so you're, you're carrying this burden and it gets heavy and you, you, you know, you get busy maybe after work. And, just, and then all of a sudden you remember, I've got to go to work in the morning. And, it's, and you're trying to figure all this out. How do I do this? What do I do? And you feel heavy and it weighs you down. Sometimes you can, in your marriage, you can experience this kind of things. And you can be a happily married fan, a couple and still find yourself from time to time really having a hard time. By the way, yesterday was Glenda and my 45th wedding anniversary. So, so I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, okay? And that there have been hard times and where it just weighs on you and you can't seem to figure out how to go forward and, and what do we do with this? And, and, and then um, it could be family relationships as well. You could have tension in those relationships or other relationships. And so the idea is there are things in life and places that uh, wear us down. They become weights in our lives. Uh, they, they exhaust us. And so what we want to talk about is how, how do we deal with that today? We're going to talk about that. But I want you to know that this is not new, okay? It's not new, these kinds of things. When we read our Bibles and we, we're reading what's going on in the New Testament with Jesus as he's shown up and the people are trying to figure out where he's at and what he's bringing to them or not and, and uh, the religious leaders, you know, struggling with, I don't know if we want what he's <laughs> telling us we need and on and on it goes. But the people in their day, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people that were living there in Israel, they were occupied by Romans, Roman soldiers, okay? And those guys were, they weren't easy going, right? It was a hard occupation and you could be in trouble in a hurry, okay? And, and 
that was there. And there was poverty, a lot of poverty, largely because of the occupation. But poverty weighs on you. You know, when you're always struggling, do I have enough? Can am I going to make it? That weighs on you as well. Can become a heavy thing in your life. And then in addition to that, they had their religion, which, you know, God had told them how he wanted them to live and the, uh, and the commandments in the Old Testament. But like human beings tend to do, the religious leaders had kind of twisted that. They were trying to, they were, some people were using it for their own purpose. Others were just really zealous for trying to get everything right. But that became a weight. In other words, your relationship with God, you think ought to be helpful, not harmful. And it had become harmful to them that day because of how they were approaching things, uh, how they were trying to do things on their own. You had to try to get everything right and get everything right every time, all the time. And if you didn't, you were guilty and in trouble. Okay? And so... We see Jesus describing this aspect of what was going on in Matthew 23. He talks about the scribes and the Pharisees and says, do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. What do we call that? That's hypocrisy, that's right. And he says, for this, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But the idea is this, that this what should have been blessing and freeing became heavy and bondage to them and exhausting. And you know, that could happen to us here today, even in our church when we're preaching a different message, but we could still have that be a heavy thing when it ought to be a blessing instead. So today we wanna to talk about Jesus when he talks about being in the yoke with him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. This page, I think 1124. Yeah, page 1124. And so in this chapter, there's been interactions with the religious leaders, there's been interaction with John the Baptist, and they're all still trying to kind of figure out who Jesus is and, and what it's supposed to mean in their lives. And they're, this, they said they're in the middle of this occupation, they have the poverty, they have the pressure of their religious system, all of this bearing down on them. And so we get to the end of chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus talking. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we need to hear from you today through your word. And I, I pray, Father, that your spirit has led us to this passage of scripture today, that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would do that and that you would do that in us as well. So that we might hear from you the things that we need to understand for our own selves and so we can be of help to others as well, Lord. We want to glorify you in our, our response and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this passage here, these three verses, we really see three different kinds of things. One is Jesus' offer, his offer to people, okay? And then we see the second thing is what are the conditions for this offer? Because there are some conditions. And then what are the results? What does this look like when it plays out in your life? So let's talk first about the offer. Here in verse number 28, come to me, 
all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now, first of all, you have to do something. If you're experiencing this heaviness, if you're experiencing exhaustion in life, uh, you have to do what? Come to Jesus. And, and that starts with receiving him as Savior. If you haven't done that, you need to, that starts there. But whether you've done that or not, the idea is, wait, we need to turn to Jesus. Okay? There is no hope here without that. Come to Jesus. And then I just love this verse. Come to me. What's the next word if you, if you got your Bible there? Come to me. All. Oh. It's for all of us, for every one of us. This is not for just a special few. This is available to every person. Salvation is available to every person, but then what Jesus is promising here is also available to every person. Now, if we're going to understand what he's talking about here, we've got to do some word definitions today, okay? We've got to say, what does this word mean? Uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit led Matthew to write these words of Jesus and he chose these words, uh, what do they mean? So let's, let's do that for the first word is labor. The word labor. And it, it means these things. It means an exhausting work. It's not just work. The word that they use here means exhausting work. Working until you're worn out. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? I don't know about you, right? There have been plenty of times in my life where I've worked hard all day. And at the end of the day, it's good, right? And you go to sleep and it's so good to go to sleep but you're worn out. Uh, but there are many ways and places in life where it's not a good thing. We're experiencing this, this exhaustion. We've, we've, worked at, we've worked at these things. We've worked at it for you, for the teens. I tell you, you worked at trying to figure out where you fit and how to do that. You know, at your own work, you're trying to figure that out. You, your marriage, it just, you go on and on and on, or other relationships, and, and you become exhausted. You become exhausted on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, anybody ever felt that way? Exhausted on the inside? And of course, then that actually affects the outside too, how you feel as well. So he says, all you who labor. So if you find yourself, you know, being worn out, he's talking to you here. And then he says, and those of you who are heavy laden, and this is the idea of a burden, okay? Heavy laden means to overload, to cause someone to be weighed down. So this idea of uh, laboring is an active thing. This is where you are doing it. This idea of heavy laden is what has been done to you, okay? It could be how other people have treated you. It could be just the, the, what goes along with where you're at and it comes upon you, but it's, it's sort of a, a passive sense. And so you who are exhausted, you who are worn out, you who find yourself carrying burdens that just seem heavier and heavier and heavier, have you come to me? Come to me and I will give you rest. The kind of rest that you need, whether it's deep down inside rest or physical rest, he'll give it to you. So this word rest means to give rest. Ha ha, how about that? But it also means to refresh. That's different than just resting, isn't it? We rest and then we feel what? Refreshed. Okay, and so this is the offer of Jesus to us. And, and I just give, share two times in my life where this has been so crucial to me. The first was when I was 19 years old and I was hearing the gospel really for the first time and trying to sort all that out. I was trying to live my own life and, and I wasn't really ready yet to say yes to Jesus because I was still doing my own thing and figuring it out. But as I did that and I knew the gospel and I knew how I was living, the weight got heavier and heavier. 
And I kept trying to, you know, get it right on my own. And, and so I'm getting worn out. And finally, that one evening, I told you the story, but I finally stopped. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to pray again and trying to tell him, you know, what I was going to do and all that. And then I just stopped. And I said, okay, Lord, I know that I'm not saved. I've never received Jesus as my Savior. I've never given in to you on that. And at that moment, it was like all of a sudden I connected with God. And, I, you know, I said, I, you know, I received Christ as Savior, put my faith. And all of a sudden there was a rest inside that I'd never had before. Because my relationship with God was settled forever. Forever. And so I was experiencing that rest and a refreshment that went along with that. And thankfully, I've had plenty of times, and I'll talk some more about that, but this has always been available to me, see, since the day I received Christ as Savior. It's always been available to me and will be to you, all right? Um, the, other, the other time was about 25 years later. 25 years later, I found myself in what, as I look back on my life, felt like the most difficult circumstances of my life. I didn't know what the outcomes were going to be. There were multiple things that were out of my control that I was trying to control. Well, there's a recipe for getting tired. Uh, but we tend to do that. But I, I felt like I needed to know what was going to happen and how people were going to respond. And, and yet all the, the, everything I had still do, I still had to do. And, and this put tremendous pressure on my marriage and my family. And, and man, I was reaching a point uh, where I would say I was getting close to a breaking point. You know, breakdown <laughs> point, maybe. But it was in that time that, that I, and I kind of envisioned it like this. I didn't see a vision, but I envisioned this way that I was, I was getting close. Jesus went, <clears throat> and he got my attention. He said, come on, come here, come here. In fact, I'm going to demonstrate to you something here. And, and uh, this is what he did for me. Stephen, you got to stand up here, okay? Sorry. So Stephen is, is me. We look alike, right? <laughs> Stephen is, is me, okay? And, and that, <laughs> I love you. You know that. So he's me, and he's, he's broken. I'm just about to the place of broken, exhausted. You felt that way recently. Anyway, it's like Jesus got my attention, and he, I looked over, and he said, hey, come on. I got you. We got you. See what I'm saying? That's what I felt like the Lord did to me. Okay, thank you, Stephen. And at that point, I, I turned a corner. Still, everything was going on, all that stuff, but I turned this corner to where, uh, really, within about a month, I was back. I was alive. I was refreshed. I was ready to deal with whatever was coming my way. And so this is what he promises us. To all, we just have to come. And, and can Jesus keep this promise? Let's see about that. I'll show you something from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6. It says, thus says the Lord. And I, I should have capitalized that word Lord because it translates the Old Testament name of God, Yahweh, or you may notice Jehovah. Okay? So it's talking about God here. 
This is what God says. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will what? Find rest for your souls. So this is what God gives. This is what God does. And who's saying it in our New Testament here? Jesus saying, I do this. So what is Jesus telling us? He's God. He's, he's making that claim that I am God. I am the God who does this. I am the way, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Walk in this. You will find rest for your soul. So this idea, Jesus being Yahweh, Jehovah, saying, come to me. He can keep this promise. He can, and he will. All right. So let's look at the conditions now. So verse 28 is the offer. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. All right. So what is a, a yoke? It's not an egg yoke, right? Okay. A uh, yoke is, is a wooden bar that's placed over the neck of a pair of animals so they can pull together. It's what, it also, it's what unites two people to move together as one. That can be considered a yoke. It's like a pair of oxen pulling a single plow, okay? So why don't you go and show the next picture there, the picture if you would. And so this is the idea of the yoke. You can see the two oxen together, but they, they have that yoke over them which brings them together to accomplish the same thing. Go back to the definition now if you would. Okay? And so this idea, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, I want you to come under this yoke with me. So that it's going to unite us to move together as one. And, you know, a single plow, one thing, we're going in this together. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he is inviting us, calling us, maybe commanding us to join him. Because I don't think the picture here is that Jesus says, I have, have I got a yoke for you? And putting something heavy on us. What he is, is Jesus is in the yoke. He's already going and doing, and he invites us to join him under his yoke. And that, that's really significant, okay? But he's bringing us together. So when he says, I'm gonna give you rest, it starts with me and you coming to this oneness with Jesus. And we'll talk more about what that means in a little bit, okay? All right, go ahead and go to the next word here. He says, take my yoke upon you and then learn from me, learn. In other words, it isn't just about getting in the yoke with Jesus, you also start learning now that you're under the yoke with Jesus. And this is the idea of learning key facts through experience, often with the implication of reflection. In other words, you, you come to realize some things. So here's the deal. If I'm standing here, if, here's Jesus, and he has this yoke, and he's saying, come under the yoke with me. And I'm looking at life, and I'm evaluating what's going on, and what's this gonna be like, and all this kind of stuff. I, it's, not so, it's not clear to me all I know is Jesus saying to do it. If I will do it, if I will come under the yoke with him, all of a sudden, things look different. Things look different when you're under the yoke with Jesus. Okay, and you can start to see some things differently. We'll talk more about this. Uh, and then he says, for I am gentle. 
Okay? I am gentle. It literally translates meek, uh, but it means to demonstrate power without undue harshness. Without undue harshness. Um, let me ask you a question. We can take a quick poll here. Uh, husband and wife driving in a car, trying to go someplace they've never been, trying to find it, and they're having a hard time. Instructions weren't clear. Which one is most likely to say, why don't you stop and ask for directions? <laughs> it's not absolute, right, but it's most likely, right? Who is the most likely to say that? The wife, that's right. And who is most likely to ignore that statement? <laughs> the husband, right? So, so we have this couple, they're driving along, and you know, she's made the suggestion more than once, and, and it just it hasn't worked. He's tried several things, and he finally you know, comes to himself and says, you know what, I need to stop and ask for directions. He says, I'm going to stop and ask for directions. Okay, now, what should she say at that point? I heard the answer, nothing, that's right. But no, what's more likely to come out is, well, it's about time. We'd already be there if you had already done this. But the idea is there's this, this sort of, there's a learning thing here going on, but it's, there's a harshness to it. And I'm really not trying to talk about the marriage thing. I'm talking about this sense of harshness when you're learning from somebody, when you're getting instruction, okay? He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't say, well, it's about time. God doesn't do that to us. Um, and we see this in James when he says, if the, the, uh, James wrote, and he said, if you lack wisdom, if you need wisdom, go to God and ask God. He'll give you the wisdom you need. And he's not going to make fun of you for it. He's not going to put you down for asking. Go ask. It's going to be a good thing. All right? And so Jesus saying, I'm gentle. Come under my yoke, and you're going to learn some things. We're gonna, you know, you're going to see some things. You're going to see some things differently. You're going to change your mind about some things. But it's, don't worry, I'm gentle. I'm not, gonna, I'm not bringing you under here to beat you up. Okay? And he said, not only am I gentle, I'm also lowly in heart. Lowly in heart. Which is, the, it communicates an inner lowliness. Okay? Humble. Genuine. Heartfelt humility. And, and really what's going on here is when, when I am prideful, who am I thinking about? Mostly. Me. That's right. And when you're being prideful, you're thinking about you. And when you are humble, though, when you humble yourself, now you're not focused on yourself. You can focus on what? Others. And so what Jesus is saying here, you come, you get under this yoke with me, uh, and you learn that we're going to work on that, and know that I'm not going to be harsh with you about this. In fact, you know, what it is, I'm, I'm concerned about you. I want to work in your life. I want to help you through this. And so these are the conditions. And let me say that the only way to learn what you need to know is to come under the yoke with Jesus. That's the only way. Because when you're outside the yoke of Jesus, I already said it, the world looks one way. But when you get under the yoke of Jesus, things look different. And so it's only under there that you're going to learn what you need to learn. Okay, and that brings us to the results here. Verse number 30, he says, for, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what you're going to experience. You're going to experience that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's just look at the, the words here again. Easy, my yoke is easy. It means kind and good. That's a literal translation. 
well-fitted or useful. In other words, you take my yoke upon you, it's going to fit your situation. It's going to fit you and your situation. It's going to be a good fit, and it's going to be helpful to you. It's going to be useful to you, okay? So his yoke is going to be a positive thing in our lives. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden, he talks about the burden. This word burden means what must be carried. There are things that you have to carry. We're not saying that you won't have anything to carry in life. There's things that we have to, things that are personal to us, right? There are things that we can't transfer away to somebody else. It's ours. We're the one who has to deal with it, okay? But he says that when you are there, he says, my burden, the burden that I give you that you have to carry with is what? Light. It's light. It's not overwhelming. Go ahead and go to that. It's of little weight, easily carried, easily managed, because it's easy to bear. All right? So this sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Come to me. I'm going to help you with that exhaustion. I'm going to take off those burdens. Take my yoke on you. You're going to learn things there. And, and, and I'm, I'm, it's going to be good for you. And, and the result is you're going to be able to do what you need to do. And any burdens you have aren't going to be overwhelming. All right. Now, I imagine there are some of you here today who think like I do. And because I'm working through this sermon and I'm going through this study and all of a sudden think, Yes, but. Anybody else have the thought already across your mind? You know? Yes, but. I mean, Jesus, didn't you yourself say that following you was going to be hard? It's going to be difficult. There's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be suffering. Didn't you say that? And he did. And, and I think we're going to get to a point here where we're going to answer that question for you, okay? Because there are five important truths that we need to grasp from this passage today, okay? And the first one is this. There is no solution to your problems that doesn't include submission to God. Let that one sink in. We're all the time for looking for solutions to our problems, aren't we? But the reality is very many times what that really means is there's something I need to submit to God about here. And this is crucial that we understand this. I mean, uh, James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? Remember? Yeah, that, go ahead and put that up there, guys. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so we must humble ourselves before God to find a solution to our problems. By the way, this is true when it comes to receiving Christ as Savior, right? You realize you're a sinner, you know, and you can't fix it, but you keep, well, I'm going to take care of this myself. I'll do this. I'll do that. I don't really want to give in that much. I don't want to get saved that much. Anyway, and so we keep doing our own thing, but we can't do that. We have to yield to God completely. And so there is no solution to your problems. You know, if you went away with nothing else but that today... There's no solution to my problems that doesn't include submission to God. All right, the second one is this. Jesus doesn't give us a yoke to bear. He invites us into his yoke with him. And I just think this is huge. What a difference it is. I mean, it's, it's the difference if you, let's say you came and talked to somebody about some issue you were struggling with and, and they actually know and have a solution 
and they say to you, well, okay, yeah, here's what you need to do. Go do this and this and this, and this is gonna be hard, but go do it, just, just go do it. And you're overwhelmed. But what if that person who knows all these things, well, here's what needs to happen, I'll tell you what, let me come with you and we'll do this together. Would that be, which would you prefer? You know, that's the one that's gonna give you that security and that significance that, that you matter, okay? So Jesus doesn't give us a yoke to bear. He invites us into his yoke with him. Uh, it's so loving. And you know what, I, I, it looks like we're missing a slide there, guys. So let me just say this, I'll say this one. If you're not with Jesus in his yoke, even doing what's good and right will eventually exhaust and burden you. Okay? We saw this in, in the New Testament there when the, the, the people with their religion, oh, thanks, guys, that's good. Uh, you know, they were burdened down because it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't God's way. They weren't really surrendered to God in it. They were doing their own thing, their own approach to religion. It was exhausting them, wearing them out. So in your life, uh, you find yourself in life with difficulties and you're a Christian and you, you, you're committed to doing what's right and, and, and so now you're doing it. I'm gonna do what's right here and I'm gonna be faithful in it and I'm going to... If you aren't with Jesus in his yoke, you're out here on your own. And the world looks different out here on your own, doesn't it? It's harder. It's heavier. And so if you're trying to live this life and do it, usually what happens here is there's some area of your life where you know I'm not submitted to the Lord there. I know that. I know something should be different, I'm, but I'm not. But I'm, I'm going to make up for that. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make sure I... It will exhaust you. All the things that Jesus is saying he wants to fix in your life. Okay, so if you're not with him in his yoke, even doing what's good and right will eventually exhaust and burden you. Okay, now, to... This one has so many ramifications, and I'll try to tie them all in here with you. And I already mentioned to you, but the fourth one is this. The world and life look very different under the yoke with Jesus. He says, come under my yoke and learn from me. Because the world and life look so different under the yoke with Jesus, okay? Um, think about this, the disciples. You know, Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, right? He calls them to, to join him as he walks through Israel and teaches and talks with people and works miracles and all the things that he was doing. He called them to go with him, and they did, right? Those first 12, they did. And so when they, in essence, said okay and followed, in that sense, they were doing what? They were getting in the yoke with Jesus. And, and they had to keep working on that to be there, I know, but they, they got in the yoke with Jesus. And they walked with him and watched him and listened to him and interacted with him for, some of them for three years. Do you think they had a different perspective on Jesus than the average person around? Absolutely they did. Because they learned things and experienced things that the only way they could experience is if they were there with Jesus. There was no other way. It had to be there with him. Okay? Um, 
And let me just give you an example here. You know, Jesus himself in the garden. Remember, he's getting ready to head to the cross and he's in the garden and he's praying. And do you remember how it describes how his pray, what he's praying, his experience was? He said he was in agony because he knew what was coming. He knew that he, holy God, now as a human being, was going to end up bearing the guilt of the sins for everyone who had ever lived or ever would live. And he had never had sin in his life. I mean, this is what he was going to experience as a human who was also God. And, and he's, what's he saying to God? So, Father, if there's any way I can, we can accomplish this without me going through this, if there's any other way. But then what's he say? But not my will, but yours. And... and I'm, I'm taking a little liberty here, but I want you to say it's at that point that Jesus as this human being and God, so he's, as a human being though, he has to submit to his father. He says, not my will, but yours. That's when he put himself under his father's yoke. I mean, he wasn't rebellious outside, but you know what I'm saying? He made a conscious choice. Going with you, father. And from there on, we don't see him agonizing. We see him actually right after that caring about the disciples and those who were coming to him. And as he goes through the process, caring about Pilate. I mean, it it changed him. Because you see things differently. He saw things differently. And I'm saying that's what will happen to you and I. When we are outside of this yoke, the way the world looks, this looks hard. Following Jesus looks really hard. This situation is impossible. I am so exhausted because of this. I'm carrying these burdens, all this kind of stuff. I can't see any solution. Jesus says, hey, hey, come under the yoke with me. It's my yoke. Come on under here. And when we come under it and we're with Jesus, all of a sudden, we start to see things differently. And what was exhausting us over here, we're no longer exhausted because guess whose strength we've tapped into? Jesus is under there carrying this yoke. And we're going with him. You know, the burden that's, that's laid on, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's for us, it says it's easy, it's fitted, it fits nice. He's the one who's carrying that weight. Um, and so see, the world, it changes for us. And, but... That's why if you stand on the outside looking in, saying, oh, I don't know how it could work, or it's just, oh, what about this, what about that? You will never understand until you finally say, okay, God, not my way, yours. I, 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 maybe you need, like I said, I receive Christ as Savior. I put my faith in him. That's from now on. That's where I'm at. We get under the oak with him. Maybe you're already a Christian. You're struggling with these things, and you're operating in the flesh. No, get underneath with him. It changes everything. It doesn't change the facts and the circumstance around you, but it changes how you see it and it changes how you go through it because now it's not just you anymore. Remember, you're in the same yoke with Jesus and he's carrying, he's leading and he's doing that. By the way, faith. (laughs) Genuine faith is ignited by sincere submission to God. Let me say that again. Genuine faith is ignited by sincere submission to God. And so when we're outside and we're not fully submitted, we aren't saying yes. And I don't know that we're ever perfectly submitted, right? But we keep trying, right? We're genuine. We're sincerely submitting to the Lord. And when we do that, 
all of a sudden, like I said, it changed our perspective. Now we find ourselves able to believe God about this. Because I'm, I'm experienced different. I'm with Jesus. He and I are together in this. And I see it different. I can trust God now to do this thing that he said I should do. I can trust him to stop doing this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing. All right, and then the fifth truth here. A genuine Christian life flows out of a submissive relationship with Christ. Okay? I should say number five. A genuine Christian life flows out of a submissive relationship with Christ. When you see someone, and we don't always know for sure, but when you see someone who just seems so genuinely Christian, you know what I'm talking about? You can just see it. You can hear it in their words, their face. This is a genuine Christian. You've got to know they're not out there on their, doing this on their own. This is because they are submitted to God. They're under the yoke with Jesus. That's what you're seeing. And that's what you're experiencing. And so we get under the yoke with Jesus. We are submitting ourselves to him. So, young people, teens, when you look at your life and you're, like I said, all the stuff you're trying to figure out and you're working through and you're feeling tired because of it and the burdens are down and you're trying to, oh, where does this all fit and all that? If you will make this decision to wait a minute, wait a minute, instead of trying to figure all this out, what I'm going to focus on is making sure I'm, I'm under the yoke with Jesus. And I'm going to be there with him. I'm going to draw close to him and I'm going to learn from him. You won't have to feel exhausted anymore. The, but by the one, the one who knows you better than anybody else has valued you and worth dying for. So what do all those other people think? You know, and the second thing it will do is it will change how you look at those people and to where now you will be concerned about them. Wow, look how they're struggling. And you'll be able to, to help them, have a ministry to them. At work, again, now, if you get under the yoke of Jesus and you go to work, it's no longer, it's just different. You know, Jesus is here with you and we're working through this. And Lord, what do we do today? What do you want us to, how do you want us to, how do you want me to respond to that, Lord? And, and he leads us and works and strengthens us and enables just changes everything. And by the way, you know, there's no way, and some of you have had, I don't want to say fairy tale, but some of you have had fairy tale marriage relationships. That's so cool. And for the rest of us, you know, I mean, Glenda, I've talked. There's, I, I don't think there's a hope in the world that we would be married 45 years not having this relationship with the Lord where we are putting ourselves under his yoke in this situation. Uh, it just, but it frees you and makes all the difference in the world. The same thing with family tensions, all that. If you have a family gathering you have to go through and this person hates that person and this one isn't talking to that one and this one, you have that kind of stuff, that's terrible. But if you'll go under the yoke with Jesus and then you go with Jesus to that place, it's, you're going to see it differently. Your heart is going to be burdened differently. You won't be getting exhausted anymore. You'll be seeing God work in some way or another. And so you have to get in the yoke with Jesus. There is no other way to experience the promise of this rest that he promises us. And it does start with receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. That's a personal one-time decision where you say, you know what, my sins are sending me to hell. And Jesus is, has died for those sins and I need to say, okay, yes, I received that payment for me. I received Jesus as my Savior. 
You have to do that. If you don't, you're still out there doing your own thing. You're not under the yoke of Jesus. And it will not end well because when you die, you will still be separated from God. And the Bible talks about hell. And, but then if you're a Christian here today, probably most of you are, uh, this is the idea of continuing day by day. Submit to the Lord. I've got to get back under the yoke. I, I told Jesus yesterday and I told him again today. I really am I'm getting back under the yoke. I'm under the yoke. Consciously. Um, and you can do that without thinking about the yoke. But do you understand what I'm saying? You need to keep adjusting. Keep getting back under the yoke. Keep All right, I don't think I need to say anything more. Um, take advantage of this. It's good for you, and it will glorify God when you get under the yoke with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, that you have offered this to us. It's available to us. Help us to understand what we need to do. And just as simply, whatever else we know, Lord, that we would say, okay, I'm getting under the yoke with you. And then when we find ourselves out saying, wait, I'm getting back under the yoke with you. And in learning to where more and more, that's where we live, Lord. Knowing that you're going to keep your promise to us and knowing then that you will do your work in our lives and you'll work through us into the lives of others. Um, so help us with this. Challenge us. Don't let us off the hook, Father. Make us uneasy until we choose to come under the yoke. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, God bless you. Uh, have a good week. I hope you're able to come to the picnic. If you weren't planning on it, you can still plan on it now. Come to the picnic. We're down in Buffenville State Park, and uh, look forward to seeing you there. God bless you.